The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We are live on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hello, my name is Chris Crawford. This is brought to you by Batflip, the team shuffling baseball game. I'm here with my buddy Drew Silva. We're going to take a look at some players who are struggling in the second half of the show and whether or not you should be cutting bait. But let's start with some headlines. Uh, Drew, Jordan Alvarez, one of my favorite players to watch, one of the most productive fantasy players when healthy, but on the injured list with an oblique injury. They're... Uh... Calling it oblique discomfort for now, it's not being called a, a strain, which I guess is good news. Right. But the Astros have been very cagey with injury information over the last handful of years. Um, at least it's not the hand and wrist stuff that has plagued Alvarez for a while now. He's supposed right. to undergo more testing this weekend, so there's not an exact timetable yet for what exactly this injury is and how long it's going to take him to recovery. Like Generally, Assuming it is an oblique strain, that's going to be more than a couple of weeks. Um, I, I would say best case scenario is he's like back toward the end of June, but we're making a lot of assumptions with that. Um, we'll talk more about the Astros later, actually, but they don't really have a great plug and play option for DH duties or even the corner outfield. Like Yainer Diaz should see more DH time. There could be something there for a, a deep leaguer, like put up big minor league numbers um has has kind of just been rotating in at catcher maybe he gets something going with with more of an everyday role uh maybe if michael brantley can get over the hump with his shoulder he, he had shoulder surgery last august uh but I, I don't think that's something to count on he's had so many setbacks already if you're mm -hmm. a fantasy manager with alvarez you're you're going outside the astros depth chart for a replacement brent rooker has turned it on again for the a's he slumped yep. through a lot of may had that great april um, he might be worth another another shot. He's out there in a lot of waiver wires. Michael Conforto is out there in a lot of leagues. Uh, been a pretty steady source of power for the Giants. Jake Berger is getting a big increase in playing time with the White Sox. Edouard Julien is back up with the Twins, uh, with Jorge Polanco landing back on the, the injured list. Um, I guess the nice thing with, with Alvarez is that you probably had him in a utility spot on a fantasy right. roster and the options sure. there are kind of endless. Like I'd give Julian another, another look he's done nothing but rake in the minors and in the majors. And I would guess the twins are going to be more careful with Polanco this time around. I, I said a few weeks ago, I, Julian's like proven that he deserves something close to an everyday role. Like with, I, I know he wasn't like a top prospect, but he is, he's proven like the, the numbers are there and, and he's done it at triple a and he's done it now in the majors over a, a small sample. But I, I feel like the twins are hopefully finally ready to give him like an extended look in an everyday spot. Yeah. My actual concerns with Julianne actually have more to do with real life because he's not a very good defensive player. Like he looks to me like he's going to be a designated hitter, but that's not a problem for you in redraft leagues right now because he has eligibility all over the field. I do think there is a chance that he becomes a UTEL, um, which severely limits his value because he doesn't have the same offensive upside as like a Jordan Alvarez type. But yeah, it, absolutely. Sure. He like he ranked seventh on my list this week for imminent arrivals. And only only reason why he ranked that low was I wasn't sure what he was getting to call it. But I think you make a great point with Polanco uh, hitting the shelf and wanting to be more careful to make sure he's ready for that stretch run. And that 
awful, awful, awful division uh, that is very, very winnable. Uh, a nice thing to have for sure. But yeah, big bummer with Alvarez, but here's hoping that we get to see him by the start of July. We did get somebody back off the injured list yesterday in Adam Duvall. Didn't go very great. He went 0-3 with three strikeouts, although he did draw a walk. Now, it's worth pointing out, Duvall was off to a sensational start playing center field for the Red Sox every day. Unfortunately, while making a diving attempt, I believe against the Pirates, uh, ended up fracturing the wrist, ends up missing right around two months with the injury. But it's I think it's worth pointing out, hitting in the middle of the order upon his return, I think you're going to see that a lot against lefties. Uh, Garrett Cole, obviously not a lefty, and a tough matchup to come back on, some of the best swing and miss stuff in baseball. I'm a pretty big fan of Duvall from a fantasy perspective, but I think you do have to... Be prepared to take some bad with it, and especially with how hot of a start he get, has. Like even after going over three with three strikeouts, he's still hitting four seventeen, four eighty eight, nine forty four, which just tells you how long ago it was that he got injured. But the power has always been there for Duvall. I think the Red Sox lineup does provide some opportunities for RBIs where he's sitting in the middle of it. I'm sure some people had to cut bait with Duvall being on the injured list. I think he's not a bad little pickup for those who are looking for some help, maybe even for some help for somebody who lost Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, I'm I'm curious what the, the Red Sox are going to do. Um, so I, I wrote up that Duvall news note when he returned and on mm -hmm. Rotowire, we have to tweak batting orders. And it's like, it's a strange, you know, he's probably going to play pretty much every day, but is Jaron right. Duran going to sit? Like, that's He's been good. Like yeah, I, I know there's sure. been ups and downs with Duran, but he's been pretty good overall. Yoshida playing left or Verdugo and Yoshida in the corners. Justin Turner's been playing, been doing a lot of DHing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that Duvall is going to get in there every day, but they want to keep Duran active too. It's it's going to be kind of kind of tricky for them. Maybe Duvall like plays some first base too. Like I, the I they're going to want to keep his bat in the lineup because. He's like forever been an underrated player. Um, the The power comes in spurts. Like he's definitely yes. a streaky type of hitter, but really big arm in the outfield. Um, not like the rangiest guy, but um, yeah, that's a safe source of power. And and I, I'd assume he's going to play every day. It, it kind of hurts the the Duran stock, though. I, I don't. It's it's just interesting to me that they're not going to want to bench Duran, make him like a fourth outfielder. But that's pretty much the situation right now. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's that's the risk with it is and look, it's worth pointing out, although Tristan Cases did have a nice game today. He's been pretty awful for a while here now. And I do wonder yeah. if maybe he's the guy that they consider in the lineup less, especially against left handers. You weren't seeing him a ton either. Justin Turner has not exactly been great, but because of his contract and because of his track record, I don't think he's going to get too many days off. So, yeah, that is something to be at least a little bit cognizant of. But I still think. You know, especially if you're playing in a four outfielder league or, or something along those lines, I'd probably want Duvall in my lineup more often than not. Yeah. Uh, some other big news from Friday. The Dodgers decided against bringing back Julio Urias for Sunday's series finale in Philadelphia after he experienced some lingering hamstring discomfort while throwing a bullpen session on Thursday. Urias has been out since May 20th with a left hamstring strain. Probably now, I would think, going to be asked to make a minor league rehab start before returning. So, you know, push him out at least another full week, maybe a couple of weeks. Um, he was going to be allowed to skip a minor league rehab and, and return uh, within a like a two and a half week time frame on Sunday, but not going to happen now. It's just more injury issues for that Los Angeles rotation. I guess Sunday is going to be a bullpen game. I think that has since been confirmed, like maybe Victor Gonzalez serving as the opener, and then they'll bring out a, a parade of relievers. Gavin Stone could get the call the next time the Dodgers actually need a fifth starter. Stone has been bad this year in the minors and in the majors, so I'd probably avoid that situation, though, even though he was amazing last year on the farm. Um, I think you're going streaming if you're a fantasy manager with Urias and, and trying to play the situation out. Uh, we'll discuss some streaming options for Sunday slate at, at the end of the show and might come up with some decent names. I mean, there, there are a lot of options out there. Um, I, the, the Atlanta's going with uh, a young pitcher. I'm trying to set you up, but I can't do it well. That's fine. 
you didn't do it great at all, Drew, but that's okay. You do a lot of things really well, and that just wasn't one of them. I'm not a broadcaster. You're gonna, you're, I'm not a broadcaster. You're going to nail it on the next one. Uh, by the way, Joseph Nelson brings up, bring out, Emmett Sheehan is somebody that I'd be taking a look at, a guy who has kind of got on the Gavin Stone pace. He has been excellent in AA. He'd be somebody that, you know, I'm not rostering right now. I'd certainly roster him in Dynasty or Keeper Leagues because he definitely, they've been as good as anybody right now at developing uh at developing pitching right now. Emmett Sheehan, definitely somebody to take a look at. And I think the guy you were trying to set me up for, Drew, was A.J. Smith-Schauber, who made his first MLB start, uh, became the youngest pitcher since Steve Avery. No, not the guy who's in jail for that one thing. Steve Avery, the left-handed pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. That makes me feel very old to make a start and go five and two-thirds innings. Uh, Give up two runs, none of them earned. Walk two, struck out two. I've been impressed with what I've seen from Smith Shaver so far as a major leaguer. Did not have exactly the best swing and miss stuff in that start against the Nationals. The Nationals actually are not the best lineup to face for strikeouts because they have some contact-oriented guys. Um, So, you know, that's not exactly super telling, but I thought his stuff looked good. My concern with Smith Shaver is command. It's been something that's been a bugaboo of his since high school. Uh, missed a full year because of the pandemic, so that's not going to exactly help with the command stuff. But in terms of pure stuff, he competes with anybody on that Atlanta staff. Like he has elite, elite fastball slider command slider potential in those pitches. Uh, throws another third pitch for a good measure. I'm a fan of Smith Shover. I'll be curious to see what the Braves plan with him is. Atlanta's plan with his is, excuse me, because I don't really know how much he's going to get a chance to start Drew. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm sure they're going to manage his innings because of his age. Uh, but while he's on the mound, I'm certainly looking at him as an option. Yeah, I mean, what a quick rise for this dude yeah. debuting at age 20. Uh, seventh round pick in, in 2021 out of high school in Texas through 68 and two thirds innings last year in the minors, um, just eight and a third innings in the Florida compact plex league in 2021. Right. I love how aggressive Atlanta is with young arms. Uh, I remember yes. when the Cardinals used to do that. We're not going to make this a, a Cardinals podcast, but <laughs> like, you know, like the Carlos Martinez, Trevor Rosenthal era where they just, if you, proved capable of getting batters out no matter where you were in the in the minor league system you're coming up um we're gonna michael walker i mean they probably abused michael walker but uh yeah so like just bring them up and, and throw them into the fire and um uh, I, I mean i i don't even know how to assess smith shaver because we don't even really have that much data on on it's, what this kid is but right like yeah i mean that's, if if, that's... if if that organization thinks he's ready then as a fantasy manager, who who are you to say, like, oh, I don't think he's ready? Yeah, I mean, there's some fallacy to that in real life, you know, but at the same time, they've been awfully good with that stuff. And it is worth pointing out, like, his seventh-round pick, a little misleading. I think he signed for a considerable amount more yeah. uh, than slot to go sign with those guys. Um, he was actually a, a quarterback who could have gone and played at uh, Texas Tech. That would have been... Uh, I think he made the right choice. I think he made some the air right raid choice, offense. Yeah. Some air raid offense and uh offensive linemen standing 15 feet away from each other. It's 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 always fun to watch. Uh something uh I've, the chat has brought up real quick before we get into the second half of the show. Uh, do you think Ben Joyce is going to have Tommy John surgery? Well, I don't know, <laughs> but here's the thing: Ben Joyce is going on the injured list. It looks like uh he left his appearance against the Mariners after Walking to Oscar Hernandez, not an easy thing to do right now. We're going to talk about the Oscar Hernandez, but I uh, felt numbness in his fingers. That is never a very good sign for anything in life. Um, yeah. The risk of a guy who throws as hard as Ben Joyce is, is that unfortunately the human body doesn't always respond very well to it. Uh, I think Ben Joyce is somebody that long-term has a chance to be an elite reliever but it does sound like he's going to be going on the injured list. So those of you who were expecting to get rates from him, strikeouts, I don't think he was ever going to get a ton of save chances in 2023 anyway, are, are probably going to be without him. Um, it's just a bummer. I, I I ban shoulders, ban elbows. Let's just have everybody throw underhand and it'll work out just fine. Hmm. Softball. Softball. Hey, Oklahoma that I mean I wish we could spend like that's one of the most dominant things I've ever seen in my entire life 60 and one in a season like 
if I was Baylor, their team, one team that beat him, I would be hanging a banner, beat Oklahoma in 2023. I, I, man, I, I was, wa- I watched the entire game of when they came back against Stanford. What was that yeah. like last weekend or something? Man, something. Yeah. They're, lines, yeah. they're like super fun to watch. I, I'm into yeah. college softball. It's great. It's the, it's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. Yep. I really, uh, would love to see that sport continue to grow in popularity. I know my buddy Jordan Schusterman at Suspended Family Barbecue has been preaching it for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of good players and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those players we mentioned who we drafted in all mixed standard formats this spring, but have struggled for these first few months. And what the heck are you supposed to do with them? But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Bat flip. The Team Shuffling Baseball card is a gamer's love letter to baseball. Step into the role of manager, build your team, shuffle it up, and deploy it in an action-packed three-inning game. Each of the over 140 player cards is unique with its own special stats and abilities. Each team has its own powers and strategy. Flex your financial muscle as the New York Money Bags, button steal your way to victory as the Sioux City Small Ballers, or deliver takeout slides and headhunting pitches as the Detroit Dirt Bags. 12 teams in all, Batflip was designed by Avid Fantasy Players and made its press debut at First Pitch Arizona 2021. It has been played by the likes of Ron Chandler, Eno Saris, Ray Murphy, and Phil Goyette. Did you grow up collecting baseball cards? Do you collect them now? Then Batflip is the game for you. Do you like collectible cards like Magic of the Gathering or Pokemon? Do you like online card games like Hearthstone or Marvel Snap? Then Batflip is the game for you as well. Batflip features fast-paced strategic card play and endless replayability. Utilize your best players and special abilities at the most pivotal moments. And then, when the time is just right, swing for the fences and flip that bat. Order your copy now at batflipgame.com. That's batflipgame.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we are no longer early, Drew, and it is time to start discussing some players that we drafted with relatively high draft picks 
that have really struggled and whether we are staying patient or whether or not we are starting to make the move. And Drew, why don't you start with Jose Abreu, who has become a much more important player now for the Houston Astros. Not that he wasn't an important player anyway, but now with this injury to Jordan Alvarez moving back maybe into that cleanup spot in a more consistent basis, what are you doing with Jose Abreu and how confident are you that he can rebound? Yeah, one of the definitely one of the bigger letdowns on on the hitting side. He was a top 80 pick in almost any standard mixed league this spring. Mm-hmm. The situation seemed awesome. You know, signed that was a three-year, $58.5 million contract with the Astros over the winter, sliding into a, a great lineup where he should eat up RBI opportunities. Um, but I, I think it's safe to say already that this is not really the the kind of dominant Astros team that we've been accustomed to. It's not their greatest roster construction when compared to some of the other juggernaut Astros teams that we've seen over the last decade plus. Um, there have been injuries, Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brantley, and injuries on the pitching side as well. Um, either way, it's just it just hasn't clicked for Abreu individually. Um, as it stands here on June 10th, all of his slash line numbers are in the twos, 219 batting average, 277 on base percentage, 278 slugging percentage, a 555 OPS, uh, two home runs and 260 plate appearances. One of those home runs came Friday uh, in the Astros series opener at Cleveland. It was a three RBI game for Abreu. That game went 14 innings, which is rare to see in this current era of the sport with the ghost runners or what they call them, the Manfred man. On second base, that's start out extra innings. Um, I've never heard that. Yeah, before, whatever you but want, I'm stealing that. I, there's someone on on Twitter that uses it a lot. I, I can't remember. Nice. Um, I don't know. So maybe we've like sparked something in Abreu just by thinking about how much he's he's struggled, um, how much he's you know been dropped. Like I, I was looking up. You can parse that data a bit on Yahoo, and he's still holding strong in terms of rostered percentage there. Like it's it's above ninety eight percent. Because you can't just like cut ties that easily with someone who was one of your first seven picks, first six picks, even in like a 12 team, 16 team league. Abreu has been such a drain. And, you know, there were signs of decline toward the end of his tenure with the White Sox. You wouldn't think it would sink this drastically. Like, even mm-hmm. the metrics are rough fifth percentile and expected weighted on base average, seventh percentile and expected slugging percentage. So it's not like he's been unlucky. Uh, 42nd percentile and hard hit rate. He did have only 15 homers in 157 games last year, his last year in Chicago, uh, but gave you help in, in the batting average department, 304, 75 RBIs. Maybe that gives you like a baseline of what Abreu could be if if he does get it going with Houston, that the batting average rises. He's a career 288 hitter. Like he's not going to be right. this bad the whole year the RBI chances should be there even if you know he had slid down the lineup a bit started out hitting cleanup for for manager Dusty Baker all the way into mid-May has more recently dropped to the sixth spot but with Jordan Alvarez out he's probably going to hit fifth or maybe jump back into that cleanup role Um, Mm -hmm. so it's a question for a fantasy manager of can I afford a first baseman who doesn't hit for power because I wouldn't count on a ton of power moving forward. Like I'm talking individual home runs. Um, I like the batting average to rebound and for him to happen into a lot more RBI chances, but it's tough sledding when a first baseman and DH can't give you production on his own. I think probably the gist of this is that Abreu is droppable. Like even as a top 100 ADP dude, if you have access to it's it's like very league specific, but if you have access to a better power bat in a first base spot or a utility role on a fantasy roster, I don't know. Maybe you hold on to him while Alvarez is away because he's going to have, you know, he might jump back into cleanup for the Astros. But I, I I would take like a hard look at possibly just cutting bait because he's not a, a spring chicken and just I like clearly all the numbers tell you that he's not a power hitter anymore. And you need that from from a first base util spot. Yeah, it is worth know. pointing out he did homer yesterday, so it right. is possible that we have just uh, just planning this did the reverse kibosh on him, and everything's going to work out fine there. So I would agree with you. I do think he's droppable, but I would also say if you're one of those guys who's playing in or people who are playing in a league where 
You have middling options at first base. I'd also consider rostering him if somebody does drop him because I would that like is, that to is see the flip happens. side of it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I if would like there. to see. Yeah, I'm. The thing, uh, the thing about this is, and we're gonna. T- it's true for all ten players that we're going to mention here. Is if you add these players, those numbers that they put up do not matter. You do not carry over any of those statistics that they put up before. So you're going to be getting like the the second half version of it, and it's possible that the second half version of Jose Abreu is much closer to what we saw in the second half. And here's the thing. Again, we talked about this not too long ago. Abreu got off to a terrible start with the White Sox last year and bounced back pretty nicely. Not great, but the power never actually really showed up, but was a much better player in the second half of that season. At the All that being said, if you're like in a roster crunch right now and you do have some first base options, I do think Jose Abreu is droppable. That's kind of sad because a couple of years ago we were talking about this guy as a legitimate MVP. Like, how often do you see MVPs get dropped in baseball, fantasy baseball, just a couple of years later? Um, I want to talk time about the undefeated man. Oh, it's so stupid. I father time ban father time 2023 with the shoulders and the elbows. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, who as a Seattle Mariner fan, I have gotten a chance to watch an awful lot, and I got a watch chance to watch him play for the Blue Jays as well. So I knew that there were moments of frustration with Teoscar Hernandez to be sure. This has been at a completely different level. Now, Teoscar Hernandez, somebody who has drafted, drafted, I believe, right around 65th uh, in average leagues, has been a major disappointment. He's hitting 241, 286, 414 with 10 homers. Even with the new rules, has stolen just three bases. One of the reasons he's only stolen three bases is because he just hasn't gotten on base very much to try it. And if you take a look at the numbers here, there's reason for optimism and there's reason for a whole heck of a lot of concern. Like his hard hit percentage is well above the 80th percentile. His expected sluggings in the 79th. He's barreling the baseball in the 80th percentile. His average exit velocities in the 69th percentile, which, you know, isn't elite, but it certainly suggests better than a 241 average. But it doesn't really matter what your average exit velocity and barrel percentage is, is when you strike out as often as Teoscar Hernandez is. Last time I checked, was leading all of baseball in strikeouts. Uh, it, it's a, And here's the thing. His chase rate is well, well below average in the 14th percentile, according to Baseball Savant. And he doesn't draw walks to make up for it. All that being said, we have seen, similar to Jose Abreu last year, we have seen Teoscar Hernandez just go on these runs, man like these runs that suggest that he can be one of the best fantasy players in baseball for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, you have to deal with the better, the bitter as well with the better. I'm not dropping T Oscar Hernandez. And in fact, if I'm playing in a fantasy league and somebody has T Oscar Hernandez available for trade, assuming that it wouldn't cost too much and it shouldn't based on the numbers that he's put up so far, he'd be someone I'd be looking to acquire because I just think you're going to see a lot more average and a lot more power out of him even if the strikeouts can't be kept to a dull roar. Uh, T. Oscar Hernandez is someone I'm still hanging on to and hoping for the best. It's, it's maybe like a topic for another show, but I'm kind of amazed how strikeouts have continued to spike, even though there have been these rule changes. I, I feel like pitchers have, we should, we could do a whole show about this, like analyzing the rule changes. Pitchers have acclimated to the pitch clock really well. And yeah. like almost, you know, kind of used it to their advantage to like set the pace of an at bat. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and there's been more contact, there's been more stolen bases, there've been more runs per game, and there's been shorter games. I, I like it all, but it's it's just it, it's interesting to take like a macro look at at the way that I don't know pitchers and batters have adjusted to the pitch clock. I, I feel like it's it's kind of become an advantage for pitchers that can use it right. You know what I'm saying? Like you you get the the batter locked into the box, 100, um, percent and you have time to to reload. Maybe you can't throw like your hardest velocity, but you know you can you can like fool hitters better using the the pitch clock to your advantage. I, I guess I'm kind of speaking in circles. Um, no, one of the bigger yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. I was going to get into my next one, and, and it's one of the, yeah. the bigger non-injury ones on the pitching side is Dylan Cease. Uh, maybe the biggest letdown, I, I don't know, what, what has happened to Alec Manoa is, is like a storyline of its own in terms of yeah. unique things. 
um, that have happened to like star level on the rise pitchers in recent years. But with Cease mm-hmm. so far, you have a 4.38 ERA, 1.34 whip, 81 strikeouts, 34 walks and in 74 innings. Not the stuff of a top 10 fantasy starter, which is about where he was drafted this spring. I think around 11th to 12th starter off the board um, in most drafts coming off that second place finish for the AL Cy Young Award in 2022. We knew there would be regression in the ERA department. Um, 2.20 ERA last year, despite leading all major league pitchers and walks, 78 walks and 184 innings. You could build that lack of command into the projection and see more of a ERA in the threes or like maybe even the fours where it is right now, but the strikeout rate is down too. And that was going to be his bankable category, right? Like the strikeouts. I don't see obvious areas where he has changed as a pitcher. The slider hasn't been as good of an out pitch to get those whiffs. Uh, The four seamer and curve, not as effective because the slider hasn't been as good. He needs that slider to work, Um, you know, and, and maybe major league hitters, in major league baseball have adjusted where they're not going to chase Cease's slider, like which, which is a problem for a guy who doesn't command the strike zone enough across the board. You look at the whole career outlay to this point in 2022 does stand out as an outlier for Cease. Um, he's still young. He's 27 years old and already has two seasons of 220 plus strikeouts. Uh, but with his like individual profile, I think it will be a struggle to get that ERA back near the twos until you know he figures out how to lessen the walk rate right? but that's i mean that's kind of what he does with that sweeping slider it's not always designed to land in the strike zone even when he can command it there have been you know better signs lately six innings of one run ball seven strikeouts two walks on friday versus the marlins five and a third innings of one run ball six strikeouts three walks the turn before against the tigers two pretty easy offenses to navigate right I don't know. The, the fact is that, like, at the end of the day, he's a must-start in fantasy every time he takes the mound. You're going to have some ERA-killing outings, and you just hope the whiffs make up for it. So far, they really haven't. It's been a pretty mediocre overall 10 weeks for C so far. Sure. Um, I bet he'll be pushing toward 200 strikeouts when all is said and done. I don't think the White Sox will trade him. He's under control, you know, via arbitration through through, through 2025. They're not out of it in that horrible American League Central. Um, but I, it was it was fairly plain to see, like, in retrospect, but ob- also this spring, that the ERA would not be what it was last year. Yeah, for sure. What's kind of interesting about Cease, though, by the way, is that his walk rate has only gone up a tenth of a percentile from 10.4 to 10.5 but his hard hit rate has gone up from 31 to 48. I mean, that is, and that is the definition of command versus control, right? Like the control, it's still bad. Like 10% walk rate is bad, but his command has been much worse because he just isn't hitting his spots enough. And a 48% hit rate, you are not going to have an ERA in the twos. I can guarantee that much. You mentioned Alec Manoa. Let's talk about him. So look, Alec Manoa, a legitimate, just like Dylan C, Cy Young contender last year. And we'll actually talk about a Cy Young winner in a little bit, too. Now in the minors and at the very bottom of the minors. And I actually think that's one of the reasons why I'm a little bit optimistic about him is because it kind of sounds like they're going to be doing some work on the on fixing this delivery. Because, look, this is a guy who pounded the strike zone over the last couple of years through strikes a bowling ball of a human being, a tall bowling ball of a human being, but a bowling ball of a human being nonetheless, that was just throwing sinkers that were impossible to square up. Lots of squaring up this year. Expected ERA in the bottom fourth percentile. Uh, Wasn't getting whiffs. Wasn't getting hitters to swing at pitches outside of the strike zone. The only thing he really had going for him was fastball spin and extension, a 6.36 ERA, a whip of 1.9. I would be really tempted to say that you move on from Alec Manoa for 2023. But if you have the roster spots, I think you hold on and you hope that he's going to come back in August and be that guy. It's a really risky proposition, but just tell me the guys who are available on the waiver wire who have the upside that Alec Manoa do. Uh, I'll wait. Cause there's not like yeah, if you're, if you, if you want to roster like <laughs> a, a Gavin Williams or something like that, Okay, yeah, but you're not even sure if Gavin Williams is going to make his major league debut. There just aren't enough upside dudes for me. If you have your typical five-person bench, I'm waiting on Alec Manoa. It's a very big risk, but at the same time, 
Imagine you drop him and he comes up and he's even a semblance of the Alec Manila that he was in 2022 with some changes to the delivery. It's risky. I I, I acknowledge that, but I would rather have the reward of Manoa on my bench than drop him and see him go help somebody else. The problem is like you almost wish they would have done like a phantom injury list and, you know, yeah. like say his back's hurting or something. Oh, that would be I, nice. I don't yeah. – because like, all right, unless you're playing in like a really deep league that affords you like some – some rosters where you can have a guy that's in the in the minors just sitting on your roster. Like I think he's you have to drop him. Oh, like, interesting. Of course it's it's league specific, but you're in like a 12 to 16 team standard redraft league. I got I gotta get rid of him. Like and just hope that when they call him back up, I can pick him up again. And like maybe someone else feels comfortable putting them on their bench, but I, I can't have a roster spot taken up for a guy that could be in the minors for multiple months like who knows i don't i don't know how to diagnose uh what's really gone wrong with manoa it's just it's it's frustrating and this happened to roy halliday though like famously um in the early part of his career it would not shock me with the tools that he has in his tool chest for manoa to come back and and again be like a a cy young type candidate for the rest of his career Absolutely. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, another pitcher that we should touch on. He he was selected around the, the early 200s this spring in draft. So not like a huge miss that he hasn't been great, but he was a popular breakout candidate. I picked him as one, um, a 2.91 ERA, 151 strikeouts and 148 innings last year for the angels. You could find data points suggesting there would be more strikeouts moving forward in, in 2023. Those, he has that called strike and wife or called called strike and whiff rate, like the CSW number that is yes. very intriguing. Like it's 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 up. It was up there last year at times with like Garrett Cole, like the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, but his strikeout rate has been legitimately bad so far this year. A six point one K per nine. The ERA is above four heading into a, a Saturday matchup against your Mariners, Chris. Uh, the, yeah. the changeup and slider aren't as dominant. He. And he doesn't have a ton of velocity to lock into with the fastball, which is the fastball's never been a great pitch for him. And you know, when a starting pitcher doesn't have an effective fastball, there should probably be more red flags than maybe there were. I'm talking to myself here. I'm lecturing myself. Um, no, I just okay. dropped Sandoval in, in a 16-team league after his last outing. That was like six earned runs in in less than four innings against Houston. Um Unfortunately, I, th- I think Patrick Sandoval is more of a streamer than a starter that should occupy like a, a regular spot in a fantasy rotation. I-, I would guess the strikeouts will be better in the long run, like over the course of the rest of the season, but not to the point where he's like a must roster, must start in any situation. We'll see what happens to get today against Seattle. Um, but of the players that we're going to be talking about here, the 10 players, like Sandoval is the most droppable because you can find pitchers that do what he does on the waiver wire. So yeah, more of a streamer moving forward. And there will probably be stretches where he flashes some semblance of dominance. Um, if, if he gets that change up and slider working, but it's, it's not something you have to wait on because it's more like promise than present. I like that. More yeah. promise than present. That was more good. Promise than present. I'll, I'll end nice. on that. I, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, some of the metrics aren't bad for Sandoval, but the strikeouts are just not there at all. And this right. Seattle Mariner lineup does offer the opportunity for them. This might be my like kind of Oscar test. Step them. right up. Yeah, <laughs> you've got a chance to strike out Cal Raleigh and G Oscar and Kelnick. Believe at one point they had four of the five leading strikeout guys, which is why they're a nice little streamer for people who are looking for uh, strikeouts right now. Um, but yeah, I think Sandoval is definitely somebody that you can probably cut bait with and sleep fairly well. Uh, Jeremy Pena. So Jeremy Pena Mm -hmm. was a guy that in the fantasy community was very highly debated. A lot of people who are very, very big fans of and very, very uh, concerns. And so far the concerns are winning this one. And now I have to admit I was somewhere in the middle. I, I did get in a little bit of a tiff with someone over Jeremy Pena on the Twitter thing. Just don't log on to Twitter, folks. But uh, it is uh, worth pointing out that Jeremy Pena showed flashes of real brilliance in his rookie season, and they just really haven't carried over so far this year. 
um, a guy who's hitting 252, 305, 426. And that's a little bit weighted by some nice play as of late, but eight homers, uh, just the say, Oh, excuse me. I'm looking at, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the right thing. I just want to make sure <laughs> it's been a long morning for Chris Crawford. And by that, I mean, Chris Crawford woke up about a half an hour. You just woke up. Yeah. Let's, yes, don't lie yes, to the it audience. Was, it, it was a long, it was a long morning of not doing anything. Uh, but Jeremy Pena, like the approach at the plate is just so bad. He's not only in the 10th percentile in walk rate, he's in the 12th percentile in chase rate. He's swinging at everything. And look, there are guys who have had success with this type of profile that are bad ball hitters that can make hard contact to all parts of the field. I haven't seen that from Jeremy Pena yet. The power speed combination is probably why I'm considering holding on to Pena, especially as like if you're playing in a middle infield type of thing. Having said that, if somebody's willing to make a deal with you and Jeremy Pena is somebody they really want and you can get some nice stuff on it, I'm definitely considering it because there just isn't quite enough fantasy upside, especially in the average category. Like, I think this is what he is. Like, a 240, 250 hitter is what you're getting. And the on-base percentage, honestly, could be a lot lower. It, 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 his approach at the plate is that bad. And he's a 25-year-old, Drew. This is not a 22, 23-year-old who's working his way young in terms of actual major league baseball experience but we typically see at this age this is kind of what you get with these type of guys so jeremy pena been a disappointment this year does offer some upside because of the power and speed but also like if somebody's willing to make you an offer for jeremy pena for like a legitimate top 50 top 60 player he's easily believable for me yeah, I mean, there there were flaws last year. Even I liked him as like a dark horse AL Rookie of the Year candidate, and mm-hmm. you know he, he gave you he gave you that intriguing power and speed as, as a rookie. Like you build that in, say, oh, he's going to take another step forward. But he's he's got some flaws to him. And Mauricio Dubon has like taken some shortstop starts from they called up the Astros yep. called up Caesar Salazar too. Like it's not necessarily. I, I mean. Pena will be pretty much the everyday shortstop, but he's been dinged a little bit in, in playing time. And I, yeah. I, I, I would try to trade the name as well. Cause you know, he, he kind of burst onto the scene it's last year call. and became a name. If, if, if you're in some kind of league where, you know, I, I just wouldn't count on him to like bounce back to a huge degree. I don't think there's enough of a, of a ceiling there for, for him to like reach towards. Good call. I think he'll be he'll be better than he's been, and you know he offers the a little bit of power and a little bit of speed. But I'm not seeing like massive upside for for what he could be the rest of the way in 2023. Uh, Tyler Stevenson is another name for me, and I'm I'm watching this Cardinals Reds game right now. It's it's not going well for for my team, which would be the Uh-oh. Cardinals. Uh, I'll Stevenson at, real quick. It, he's. He's put some runners on, but he's through two and two thirds scoreless so far. Nice, good. For um, I, I haven't I haven't really been locked in because I'm doing a podcast with you right now. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. But, but, okay. Steve, yeah, you're you're interrupting my my Cardinals watching. Stevenson has at least <laughs> one of these runs. I know that I saw him drive in at least one run with an RBI single, and he was supposed to be part of the overall influx of offensive output we were going to see from the catcher position. There has been some of that across the league. Sean Murphy, Adley, Jonah Himes been really good for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Will Smith, of course, Francisco Alvarez, Cal Raleigh. Like, but mm-hmm. Stevenson is right now. He is, I pulled this up the 19th catcher in fantasy scoring, which is like almost wow. hard to do as an everyday player. Sure. Because many teams, you know, platoon the position or just go with, you know, don't expect offense from the position. They just throw throw a guy in there who's great at defense and great at controlling their pitching staff. We were expecting offense from Stevenson Absolutely. mixing in between catcher and DH for the Reds. Um, and so far he's batting 244 with a 685 OPS, only four home runs and 250 plate appearances. And he's been healthy too. Like this isn't like last year where he topped out at 50 games. He's already at 62, actually going on 63 games played here in 2023. And again, an everyday presence for Cincinnati, which you love from a fantasy catcher Mm -hmm. that he's going to be put in the DH role and going to rack up a lot of opportunities for production. Um, That should hold at least that Stevenson will continue to play all the time, even as as the Reds bring up more promising youngsters. Um, It's it's a tricky one because 
there are actually decent catchers sitting there on waivers in most leagues. But I don't know, given the playing time that Stevenson receives, the power friendly home park, his past power numbers, I feel like this is a keep situation and you just hope that he figures it out. Like some fantasy managers do tend to stream catchers, which I don't hate aggressiveness mm-hmm. like tends to work in this fantasy baseball game of ours uh, yeah. but i would feel pretty confident that stevenson is going to be better over the next four months than he was in the first two months he he entered this year with a career 823 ops and at age 26 with his favorable overall situation you'd think he could come close to to touching that 800 ops range in the end or you know gets into like the 700s in ops and the counting stats flow from that yeah. Hey, real quick, uh, interesting question from our buddy, the Heart Foundation, which, by the way, she asked about Notre Dame right when we were logging off yesterday. And Drew and I both agreed nine and three for Notre Dame this year. Nine and three record for those Notre Dame fighting Irish. Someone dropped better no, in my no, league. No, no, no. Ten and two. I, ten and two. Okay. I'm going nine and three. I'm, I'm not the optimist that Drew is. Someone dropped Gunner in my league. Should I run and grab him off waivers in a 12 team head to head league? Yeah, absolutely. Go get him. Uh, there's. Um, some injury concern, I guess, and also the fact that he's had some inconsistent moments. I can't imagine there are people that are better equipped to have on your bench than Gunnar Henderson in a fantasy roster right now. Drew, you agree with that? Didn't didn't you and I talk? Uh, we, I might I might be like revisionist history here, but we did a Corbin Carroll versus Gunnar Henderson. Who would you rather have? And I, we I did. was Carroll, yeah. and you were Henderson. All right. Well, I was I I was Carol. Oh well, I did well. Say that it was closer. I did say that it was. I did say that it was closer than I thought. Uh, no, because whatever, uh, bro. whatever, dude. I think. Let me ask you this question real quick. Corbin Carroll is he a first round pick next year? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe closer to the bottom, like eighth, ninth, something. Yeah, I was gonna say like points, top, I was yeah. top fifteen ADP, uh, yes. like right around there. Um. But man, like he's going to be such a popular, like a snake draft. You got the person on the end that grabs a pitcher and Carol, like, yeah, you know, category spanning sure. hitter with a, with a pitcher, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so this question kind of leads perfectly into what I want to talk about in terms of players. Should I drop Vinny Pasquantino and get Christian Walker? I wanted to talk about Vinny Pasquantino because he has not been very good this year and now on the injured list with a shoulder issue. Drew, should we ban shoulders? Is that something that we should consider doing? I think it's personally something that we should consider doing. Um, unfortunately, even said before that before. The, yeah. we have said that before. Uh, unfortunately, even before the injury was not exactly playing great. 247, 324. 437 certainly not bad numbers for basically a rookie nine homers and 26 rbi but at the first base position that we're looking for more here folks and he's somebody who was drafted pretty darn high in leagues because of the expectation that he was going to be an average and power guy often went inside of when i was drafting in the top 80 top 85 picks so you kind of get a, a little bit of a uh, a slide here that you get to probably put Vinny Pasquantino on your injured list, assuming your team isn't just ravaged with injuries right now. And I think I'm still holding on anyway. The approach has been excellent for him. The metrics suggest he's been a little better than these numbers suggest. Uh, the expected weighted on-base average is actually well above average. It's 74th percentile. He doesn't strike out. He's had some bad luck. The hard height percentage could certainly be better, but I expect more average and power. And the fact that you get to go put him on the injured list right now, I think is an even added benefit to it. However, if Christian Walker is still available, yeah, go get him. Yeah, I think Christian Walker is a really nice get. Uh, no longer are we talking about him being a guy that you're trading, uh, getting traded to a contender because the Diamondbacks right. are a contender. Like they are legitimately one of the best teams in the National League. Would I expect some regression? You bet your sweet bippy I would. But I still think that they're going to be good enough that you're not making sell-offs. You're not certainly not making uh, more moves for prospects if you're the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. But yeah, go get Christian Walker and Vinny Pasquantino. Now you get to put him on the injured list. I wouldn't be dropping Vinny P at this point. Another one for me, Andres Jimenez, who you know achieved the full-on breakout in 2022, 297 average, 837 OPS, 17 homers, 20 steals, and 146 games for the Guardians, who then signed him to a seven-year, $106.5 million extension this spring. That was right before opening day. Uh, one is a top 100 pick 
in all fantasy drafts with that second base and shortstop eligibility, the dynamic power speed combo, everything you're looking for in a, in a fantasy player, a fantasy infielder, but a big letdown so far, 241 average, 656 OPS through 239 plate appearances. Um, I guess you'll take the three home runs and seven steals. I don't think anyone was projecting Jimenez to suddenly become like a surefire 25 homer type of dude. And he's on pace right now to at least reach 20 steals. He's only 24 years old. So like, who knows what the ceiling really is long-term, but for 2023, I think a fair assessment is that he's probably more of like a safe floor guy with multi-category offerings, but not like elite offerings in, in any of those categories because, you know, of the fantasy versatility, even though he's only played second base this year, you can put him at short, you can move him around, you can put him in a middle infield spot. I just, I'd stick with him. Um, we know there's a bit more power to tap into, at least. He's an aggressive player who will try a good number of steal attempts, usually batting in the lower portion of the lineup for manager Terry Francona. That hasn't changed. Um, and it's it's been a brutal lineup this year. You'd think that he could climb up, but he hasn't done <laughs> enough to like warrant climbing up it. Um but man, like looking at the waiver wire options at second base, you're just you're not gonna find the upside of Jimenez. Even if, as I said before, there's probably a ceiling of of what it can be in 2023. Mm-hmm. Like I have my 16 team league pulled up here. The available players at second base, Brandon Drury, Chris Taylor, Jaiwan Bay, Hassan Kim, Adam Frazier. Like mm. situationally at that position, you're you're not gonna do better upside wise no. than than Andres. And I, I think he'll be a little better. I don't think he's like a necessarily a superstar at least this year. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would expect he's going to get to the double digits and homers and he's going to get you 20 plus steals. And hopefully the batting average rises from where it is right now. Yeah. I, it's been interesting to see both. I mean, it looked like the guardians were going to have one of the better double play combinations in Rosario and Jimenez. And both guys have really disappointed this year. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, a buddy of mine who I've been uh playing in fantasy leagues and actually uh you've heard of outside of the park leagues right like simulation leagues i've been playing baseball OTP, with him yeah. leagues. yeah otp for a long time and uh his uh his frustration level with ahmed rosario has reached boiling points at this point and i do wonder if maybe next year andre jimenez is the starting shortstop for that team i think he would be awesome. just fine yeah. as that starting shortstop uh somebody asked a question and I, I lost it here but about ronnie mauricio getting a call up who i think could be playing some second base for the mets unfortunately got did yeah. pick up an injury um has been excellent though in triple a I would be looking to roster him if the Mets do give him a call because I don't think they're just going to call him up and not have him play. Um, you could have Jeff McNeil play some outfield. Uh, they have a lot of guys who are struggling right now. Oh, my goodness gracious. That game yesterday, Drew, I mean, that might have been like the boiling point. And it almost makes me wonder if the Mets are going to be sellers at the deadline this year because, like, come on. That I, I really want, man, that the division, man, with those teams and how bad they've looked, I honestly do wonder if they are going to be, and uh, uh, maybe I'm just saying this because um, we have a buddy who's a big Mets fan that's, uh, yeah, that maybe it'll, it'll they're going to, they're, they're <laughs> going to be in wild card contention. They're going to be not in sure. wild card contention. I'm not sure. It certainly right. helps that the, uh, the central is a guaranteed one team thing uh, that does help. Right. But you look at the they're West. Four games back of the of the third wild card. That's you know they're, they're selling. They're, fine. they're selling. I'm I'm already putting together trade packages for Justin Verlander and Pete Alonso and everybody. We're we're going to be talking. Steve Cohen's going to sell some art. That's about the, all the, <laughs> the sales. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. But anyway, Mauricio, if he does get the call up, would be interesting to me. Just keep in mind this guy strikes out a ton, so there could be some batting average type stuff. But you know, Ellie De La Cruz is hitting 353 with all of his strikeouts. There are exceptions. I'm not saying he's Ellie De La Cruz by any stretch of the imagination, but he is an interesting fantasy player. Uh, real quick, just to close, my my fifth guy. Sandy Alcantara, hold on. It's going to be fine. It's going to work out it, it, at this point. Uh, you know, somebody also brought up, don't fall in love with your draft picks. You're a hundred percent right, but don't drop the guy that, that you probably point. took. in. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't fall. Don't drop the guy that you fell in love, took in the second round in June either. Like there, there are two sides to this story. You know what I mean? Uh, Alcantara has not been anywhere close to the picture that we saw last year, but I've seen just enough flashes. Like even his last start where he gave up Eric, 
actually, no, yeah, today he's pitching against the White Sox, uh, where he gave up five runs. He still went seven innings and bounced up really nicely from just one bad inning. Like, there's too much of a track record of him being a strong fantasy option for me to expect him to be this 5.0 ERA guy. There was going to have be regression. It is very hard to be as good as Alcantara was last year again. But I'm holding on, and I'm not even looking to trade him because there's just unless I'm getting something real, real nice, like real nice in return for him, like a legitimate, like top 20 type of fantasy baseball player, I'm hanging on and knowing that uh, if I move him for anything less and he is the pitcher that we saw last year, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah, there's that's not a guy you sell low on. And like I've, I've been looking at him too because I, I wound up like I found myself getting a lot of shares of him in drafts, just like the way nice. drafts work out sometimes. But mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily like reach for him, but just being like the, he's baseball's premier works right now. And like, that's super valuable. Just, you know, the, the volume of innings and the volume yeah. of production. Um, sure. He's kind of a unique breed right now in major league baseball. And I think he's going to be fine. Like that you can like, there's nothing really to poke holes at. Like he's, he's kind of been the same guy and maybe there's Mm -hmm. been some, some bad luck. Um, He's had like a couple blow up innings here and there, but like the, the command has been really good. And, you know, I mean the strikeouts you're not, he's not like ever been like a huge strikeout compiler, but he induces soft contact. I I think he's, and he works late in games and skip Schumacher a little, let him, let him eat. I'd I would not yeah basic point you're not selling low on Sandy Alcantara um should we do some streaming options for yeah Sunday slate we had some questions I think we're gonna make this a regular part of the the Saturday podcast where we should like uh put something on the line for it too which one of our streamers works out better okay not not for this week but for next week I don't want to I don't want to surprise you (laughs) I'll think I'll think of something that we can we can like oh i already i already got something and we can talk off the air about what it oh god okay okay great (laughs) um i'm gonna go with kyle gibson who i've hated on on this podcast and previous episode for our regular listeners but he gets the royals at home in camden yards he's seven and three with a 3.87 era Mm -hmm. in 76 and two-third innings this year for the orioles you can't count on strikeouts uh but there's wind potential there there's run prevention help I would say he's just like an easy grab. Um, throw him in there if if you need a win and some ERA help to to round out the week in like a head to head league. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Uh, we kind of talked off the air. Well, now that I know that uh, we're playing for something, my streamer is going to be Shane McClanahan. Shane McClanahan, folks, is who you want to get off the waiver. I don't wire. think he's I a. Think he's, I don't. I, I, think I don't think he's, he's got a, a real. Sh- I think he's got a real shot. Um, not a lot of people let me cut about you, him. let me cut you off <laughs> Shane McClanahan uh, I am gonna go with Braxton Garrett and it's mostly because of the fact that I'm not a big believer in that White Sox lineup won't have Eloy Jimenez back Braxton Garrett has not exactly a swing and miss uh elite guy but he's been really good as of late you can expect kind of six innings of two-run baseball, and with how well the Marlins have been playing, I think that's enough to give you a win chance. Uh, I do like Braxton Garrett. Um, I think I, I think Garrett also... might kind of be legit, dude. I think, yeah, like, yeah. Was it was it last week or the week before? I I had like his start on while I was working. It's like there, dude. This guy is like really talented, and, and yeah, there he's was very talented. Some, I'm not making a great pointer, but there was like some data to back up the, the eye test. Like he's, he's got it. Yeah. He's got yeah. something at least. Yeah. Even, even in that start against the Royals where he gave up four runs in five innings, like did strike out six, still had the same quality movement on his pitches was kind of do some yeah. for some regression. Cause he had given up no more than two runs in his last four starts. Uh, I would expect closer to that version of him. Um, I would also say, uh, just real quick, Bryce Miller, I expect to be much better. I know he's gotten just absolutely destroyed in his last two outings, but it's been against teams that like the Rangers and the Yankees who can hit fastballs as well as anybody. The Angels have a lot of guys you can throw the baseball past. Now, Shohei and Tani and Mike Trout are not two of those guys, but there are guys that you can beat with that fastball. I would expect Bryce Miller to be much better in this outing. He's somebody... I would consider as well if he's still available. But uh, if I had to pick one of the two, 
I'm going with Garrett. But for the case of this competition, it's Kyle Gibson versus Shane McClanahan. And we'll see who's better. Like, I personally not, like Shane. That, 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 that is not the, That is not I it. personally, not it. this is just my take. I like Shane McClanahan as a pitcher better than Kyle Gibson. Drew disagrees. He thinks Kyle Gibson you're not is help, a much You're not better. helping anybody. You're not helping anybody. <laughs> go get Sha- oh, I think go cares. get Shane McClanahan's pretty good fantasy advice. Close the show, Chris. I'm done. Oh, okay. That sounds good for me. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to the Road Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Batflip. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Crawford underscore MILB. Drew is at Drew Silve. Please rate and review the show if you like what you're hearing and hit that subscribe button if you really like what you're hearing and check out more episodes every single day of the week. Tomorrow, Ryan and I will be giving you some fab suggestions and looking at the highlights over the last couple of days. So stay tuned and just remember, Shane McClanahan is better than Kyle Gibson. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.